Hey everyone, this is Jennifer. And this is Paige, and this is Big Book Energy. This week, we have for you our third deep dive episode. And today, we will be tackling Tolkien's The Two Towers, which is the second book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, all right. Initial thoughts? Initial thoughts. Um, I once again confirmed my thoughts on this book. <laughs> uh, okay. it, reading it through, you know, God, for like the millionth time. I'm not even sure how many times I've read Lord of the Rings. Um, but it's obviously, it, like we've talked about, it's been a while. But reading it through again... Um, yeah, I am walking away with the same impression, which is that the first part of this book, which is what book three, yeah, um, is literally my favorite part of Lord of the Rings. Okay. It is my favorite part. Um, and book four is literally the worst. And I hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I hate book four. So um, book three, obviously, is the Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Merry, Pippin narrative. Um, and book four is following... Frodo and Sam and I can't stand it. I find it incredibly boring. I don't particularly like Frodo or Sam as characters. So I just am like, why do I have to read about them for a solid half of this book without any breaks? Mm. Uh, I think my biggest problem actually, I think it would be better or I would enjoy it more if Tolkien had interspersed the two narratives together. Um, and I don't know if that's just like a modern thing that people do now. Um, kind of mixing the different point of views, kind of like a Game of Thrones type situation um, or, mm -hmm. you know, Wheel of Time type situation. Um, time. So I don't know if that's a modern thing. and But like Tolkien, it's a very like sharp cutoff between these two books. When you're reading about like um, Aragorn and the rest of them, there are no mentions of what's happening with Sam and Frodo, like nothing. And then when you switch over in, into book four, it's literally all about Sam and Frodo and there's no mention of what's happening in the other story. And now they are kind of happening um, at the same time, but it's just like, it's such a sharp, like a jarring cutoff in the middle of this book um agreed and i just can't stand it i really don't uh, when i was younger um reading through i often would just skip the entire second half of the book like i read through it a couple of times i know what's happening i don't need to read this again um of course part of that probably has something to do with some of the events that happen in the second half of the book that I was particularly not fond of. Um, but also, yeah, I just, I don't really like the Frodo and Sam narrative. Although I think I have a greater appreciation 
for them now than I did when I was younger. I think I was a lot more dismissive when I was younger. Um, Mm. But yeah, so first half, still my absolute favorite. Second half, still hate it just for my own reasons. What about you? Pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the Aragorn, Legless Gimli, Mary Pippin narrative is vastly different from what takes place in the movies, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And that kind of more or less kept me interested because I was reading through there and I was like, this is not what happens. What happens next? What happens next? Why is this so different? And then it almost seems like Frodo and Sam's is much more similar to what happens in the movies, which made it even more boring for me because it's like, I already know what happens. And then also they're just, they're not super engaging characters. They have that really weird aren't. sort of master-servant dynamic. And then Gollum's just in there with his split personality. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. I don't care. I don't care. I didn't honestly pay a whole lot of attention when I was reading through the the Frodo portion of the things. It just it wasn't interesting to me. Yeah, and I well, I think part of that is just the issue that Tolkien has. He has to move them over a very large distance in this section. So it's kind of just them, like, traveling. Um, True. You know, and, like, he does try and add, like, some points of interest in there um, with, like, the dead marshes. And they actually, I really do like the the Garden of Athelion portion of their story. But that's because they interact with other characters. Um, but, yeah, it's basically just them, like, suffering walking through some wasteland Gollum's a fucking creeper and I don't like him and I don't I'm just like you should have just killed him I, you know <laughs> I mean I, he he does serve like a role in this story and it's actually quite important that they don't kill him um, because is, he is but... being used as a means to help them even as he himself is conflicted about helping them um but yeah, it's basically just a travel montage for the most part. Yeah. And I, I think that's just inherently less engaging um, because mm-hmm. in the first portion you have traveling, but it's, you know, a paragraph. It's they, they like mention in a paragraph that they've been traveling for so many days. Um, and then it's interspersed with a lot more action events. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do say, or I I do say, I will say that I did gain more of appreciation for Sam, um, this read through Mm -hmm. than I did before or than I have in the past. Um, he's very canny. Yeah. He's a lot smarter than he appeared in the first book, this go around, um, yeah, he, he picks up on plots, I think, more than Frodo does a lot of times, too. Yeah. And that might just be Frodo's distraction with the ring, um, which, I mean, yeah. fair. But, like, 
really without Sam, the entire quest would have failed. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, at so many different points, it would have failed without so him. So many different points. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were definitely some sections where he, like, you shouldn't, you can't let, like, that country bumpkin kind of exterior, like, fool you. Like, he is observant and, you know, mm-hmm. in his own way, like, he is, like, analytical and insightful. Um, yes. And so I was like, okay, I see you, Sam. But also, like, still not here for the really weird dynamic between him and Frodo. Yeah, it's just so hard to read that relationship in the modern context without all of the case subtext. It's just... Oh, it's it's... Very weird. It seems so gay. It really does. It seems so gay. Like, there's, what, one part in, like, the first chapter where Sam grabs Frodo's hand and, like, cries over it. Yeah. Doesn't kiss it, but just cries over it. Like, oh. Yeah, and then he talks about how he, like, loves Frodo and stuff. And I'm like, hmm, in what way, Sam? Are are you even aware of what way you love him? Um, Yeah, it, it definitely does it does read as this like very like homosexual relationship in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, and then other ways, very much like you pointed out last time, this Sam is a dog. Yeah. Kind of. And did you notice they continue that with Gollum's relationship with Frodo? Yeah. Frodo's just got like a whole lot of lackey boys that he can turn Yes. Around. It's super weird. And I think it has to do with, um, like, Frodo, I mean, okay, so he's not, like, Aragorn. He's not, like, the heir of a kingdom or whatever. But Tolkien definitely sets him up as, like, a noble hobbit, right? Like, he is kind of, like, the epitome, right? He's been chosen to bear the ring and to complete this quest and there are various points in the second part of the book in book four where um tolkien kind of talks about like a light shining from within him um and like a a noble bearing or a lordly like bearing um on his face and like all this kind of stuff so i think he's he's trying to recreate kind of that Um, like a, an old school, you know, lord and vassal or servant type relationship between um, Frodo and those that he comes across. Um, but it just doesn't make sense to us because we're in a modern time where that just doesn't really exist anymore. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I it definitely makes me want to research historically how that might have played out you know like right um because i know like nobles were often surrounded by just like abject servility and so i i wonder if that kind of like almost animalistic imagery that that tolkien is using if that's something that was actually like that's how people acted around them i don't know um that would be interesting especially because while i'm reading this like setup of Mordor and um, like all of its allies, it seems a little racist now because all of the allies oh my are God, always yes, it is. described as yeah, yes, being from the far east, being from the south, always they're, being yeah, skinned. they're always described as dark or swarthy. Yes, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Super fucking it's, racist. It's very um, racist. It's a very unfortunate inclusion. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if maybe there's a little bit of prejudice there within this relationship as well. Um, <laughs> someone once pointed out to me that he thought that um, the hobbits were representative of the Irish. I was like, I don't, I don't know about that, but... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, I think you can tell from reading the story that Tolkien actually thinks very highly of the Hobbits. He does, um, but it was always this like simplistic, uh, only caring about food and smoking yeah. and drinking and food <laughs> portion that the was pleasant life. <laughs> yes, I was like, uh, if that's true, you're an asshole. Yeah, I I actually I highlighted a a particular part, um, which I guess after this it might it might be a good idea for us to like roughly sketch out the plot a little bit. Um, when they're in right. the Garden of Athelion and they've met um, men of Gondor, and Frodo notices that as they like pull their helmets off, oh, they were um, of fair skin and noble faces or whatever. And he, they'd just gone through the whole thing of watching men from the East who were evil looking, like walk into the gates mm-hmm. of Mordor. And I was like, Oh, that's uncomfortable. Oops. Please. Stop. Yeah. Please. Stop. Yeah. And the same description happens for, um, Rohan as well. Yeah. They're always described as being fair and golden haired and yep noble noble houses and then there's what the dunedain they're always they're also white people they're also white people yeah. but or not i'm sorry not the dunedain um dunland okay yeah are they i thought uh, they were like darker because they were like wild men or whatever yeah they're yeah. darker um and they were subjugated by the men from rohan yeah they were they like took over their land or whatever Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, because te- technically, a- like the um, the Numenorians, which are um, who founded Gondor, they're like colonizers, right? Um, they <laughs> came across. I mean, originally, all men came from Middle Earth, but um, the Numenorians right. were given like this island um, after they'd helped the elves in this battle. This you'll read all, all about this in the Silmarillion. Um, and it's not until much later that they sail back to Middle Earth and basically create Gondor, um, the old um, kingdom of the North. And yeah, they just take over these areas, which were not uninhabited. Um, yeah, there's a lot of racism, a lot of colonialism in this yes, book. definitely. Because, I mean, the Numenorians are like, wise and knowledgeable and they will help uplift the other races that they encounter with (laughs) their knowledge um yeah very interesting um very interesting and i i do wonder like how much of that is actually like what tolkien thought and how much of it is he was trying to create a history and like was he trying to reflect some of that accurately? Um, or did he actually just like, you know, hate brown people? I don't know. 
I think he probably didn't like hate brown people, but like <laughs> I don't think he hated them, but I think that he was definitely um a product of his upbringing and that he had probably a lot of subconscious prejudice. Yeah. Um He's definitely that old racist uncle that's at the dinner table that's saying things that he doesn't think are bad, and you're like, oh my god, you can't say that. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Tolkien is your old racist uncle. Yeah. Uh, please, sir, stop saying these things. Yeah, I would I would be interested to see, or to read or learn about, like, how much of that was, you know, because he's trying to create this mythology for, like, England, right? Because, like, England, like, English people did not have their own set of myths and legends. Like, you had a lot of, like, um, because, you know, the arrival of the Anglo-Saxons and the Norsemen, uh, like, like, a true, like, English mythology was kind of lacking. I mean, obviously, you have, like, the tale of King Arthur. Um, but a lot of it was, like, basically imported from other areas. And so Tolkien's goal was to kind of create this um, mythology for England. At least that's what I've read before. I don't know. Um, I mean, if he's writing a pseudo history of Europe, then the themes that he has certainly make yes. sense. Because that 100% reflects uh, European history throughout the Middle Ages. Yeah. I mean, you have... Uh, an Islamic caliphate set up in Spain, so there's your Near Eastern influences um, as, like, the enemy mm. uh, conflict um, that doesn't get kicked out until, what, Ferdinand and Isabel? Yeah, the 15th century, finally. Um, then you've got, clearly, African colonialism, um in the early modern period, which, you know, that wasn't the first time Europeans had contact with Africa either. Mm. So you, you definitely have, like, this idea of European otherness that you could incorporate into a pseudo-history yeah. that there's precedent for. So um, if that was the goal, then clearly he did it accurately, but still very uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, especially, like, how he talks about um, the Numenorians, white people, <laughs> is is so um, full of praise. Which isn't to say that um, he doesn't recognize that, like, um, the nature of man himself is, is often very corruptible, right? Um, we right. already have seen that influence with Boromir. We've heard about it in the story of Isildur, um, that sort of thing. So, like, he recognizes, like, human nature itself is um, susceptible to temptation and, and corruption and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, definitely overall, like, how he talks about, you know, Gondor and even, like, Rohan, um, they are definitely, like, it's very much like a savior narrative like a white savior narrative mm -hmm. um so that's interesting yeah yeah um definitely Race and this Tolkien. is the first time that i've picked up on that reading it of course it's been like you know 10 eight years since i've read it so i've gone gone <laughs> through 
like two different rounds of grad school since then, but I still feel like I should have picked up on that before. Um, yeah. All right, guys. I think that's everything that we have for the two towers. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Uh, I might look into geography for next episode because it's always kind of weird whenever you're reading these. Yes. So definitely reading through this, I got very turned around, especially when they were in Rohan and they were talking about the East and the West. And I was like, wait, where is Edoras? So yeah, I definitely having a map handy for this would be useful. Um, I'm going to attempt to have the writer's journey finished and apply that to this story. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. I'm Fair I'm enough. trying to keep to a stricter reading schedule, but yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, but life is crazy, so yes, no problem. It promises. is insane bananas all the time. Um, well, if you enjoyed this episode, um, we would greatly appreciate it if you left a review for us. Um, you can also check us out on social media. We have an Instagram and a Twitter both of them at big underscore book underscore energy and that's how you can keep up with all the latest bbe news and if you'd like to support the podcast or listen to the full episode here because if you are not a patreon supporter you're only getting about a 15 minute clip of a much longer episode uh head on over to our patreon account and sign up to be a book ninja um Like I said, once you're there, you'll get access to our full bonus episodes as well as some other content that we release every now and then. And make sure to stay tuned for our next Deep Dive episode at the end of April. We will be tackling the final installment of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Return of the King. Alright guys, until next time, bye! Bye. Romantics, where they have this... Oh, uh, yeah, the romantics, definitely. Plebe.